Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. If you're going to be a successful real estate investor, one of the most important things you have to do is pick the right real estate market. Our markets today, you're going to meet a very interesting gentleman who has chosen a market and you're going to learn not only why, but what success has meant for him today on the Real Estate Guys radio program. Have you ever been frustrated with your bank? Denied a loan? Charged excessive fees? Hassled over late payments? Don't worry, you're not alone. What if you could become your own bank, set your own terms? Interest would be paid to you. All your monthly payments could be reused for other purchases. Now you can. There is a cash management system that families, business owners, and investors have used for decades, which allows you to be the bank. For a free article from our friends at Paradigm Life, visit www.beyourbank.com or call us at 1-888-510-6838, extension 116. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. We have an amazing show for you today. Joining me as always, co-host financial strategist, Russell Gray. Hey, Robert. How you doing? Great. You know, we always talk about it with real estate investing. In our mind, you have to start with your personal investment philosophy, who you are as a real estate investor, what you want to accomplish. Then you need to pick a marketplace. Once you pick a marketplace, now you got to find a great team. And then and only then do you buy a property. Property is the last thing. And so today, as we look at those four things, what we're going to focus on is picking a market. Crucial that once you figure out who you are as a real estate investor, what you're trying to do, you find a market that is going to support that. Absolutely. Because so many times you get into situations where there's a lot of variables that you don't have any control over. And you say, boy, if I would have known that all these situations were going on in this, whatever it is you're talking about, then I might have done something different or I might not have even done it at all. You know, so if you get the opportunity before you buy an actual property to really analyze the market and decide uh, are most of the things that are variables out there more likely than not to work in my favor, uh, then you put yourself in a position where you maximize or optimize your odds to have good success. Yeah, I think most people don't think about it, right? The average real estate investor kind of fell into it, right? They couldn't sell a house and they decided to keep it as a rental. Or they thought, well, hey, real estate seems to be going up. I'll buy the house next door or down the street or across town. And the, for that reason, a lot of people who invest, invest in their neighborhood or their city or certainly their state. I always say, live where you want to live, but invest where the numbers make sense. So right. to me, I'm willing to go a little further to get on an airplane, to go look at the bigger real estate, you know, in terms of geography, to decide if there's a market that makes sense for me. And today, it's easier than ever to find out information about markets and to start to make those inquiries as to does a market make sense for me? Well, I mean, there's a process you go through. You know, there's people that are professionals that help people pick uh, careers, for example, that they're best suited to based on their natural inclinations. And if you are a diligent, thoughtful type of person, then maybe you pick somebody who is going to sit down and take you through a series of questions and uh, help you uh, understand yourself and understand what the options are and maybe consider careers that you might not even have known existed and they bring them to your attention and then you begin to look at it and you pick your path in life carefully. Now that's a very different approach than someone who just happens to grow up in a town and meet somebody or grow up in a family that's always worked in a certain industry or a certain area and one day they wake up and they're 15, 20 years down the path and they've got, you know, a wife or husband and children and car payment and house payment and they're saying to myself, who am I and how did I get here and why am I so unhappy? Well, they just approached it haphazardly. 
imagine if you were going to build a house and you just said, well, I'm just going to go down to the store, pick out some supplies and start hammering. You and I have seen a house built like that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the reality is, is that's why you have architects and designers and, you know, people who create blueprints. And when the crew comes in, they work off those drawings and they're building something according to a specification. If going to all that trouble is worth it in a building, how much bigger or how much more important is your life? If you really think about it. And so as a real estate investor, just looking at that one part of your life, how important is it that you sit down and approach your market strategically? And is there a process that you go through? I'm excited because we got a guy who has just got that kind of a mind. He's got an engineering background and he just approaches the problems the way an engineer would. And uh, I'm very excited to hear him describe to us the process he went through in terms of deciding how to strategically pick a market because he wanted to produce a particular result in his life. And of course, now with hindsight, he has done that. Yeah, very successful real estate investor. Tom's a guy that we've known for a lot of years, and uh, we asked him to share his story because his story is so interesting. His background is, a, as you said, in engineering, and he's kind of taken that mindset and been very strategic about his market and about his methodology. So let's introduce you to Tom Wilson. He's a 35-year real estate investor who's transitioned from 30 years in the engineering career managing high-tech companies in Silicon Valley uh, to now he's a full-time real estate uh, investor, and uh, he's been doing that for more than 10 years. Uh, he's bought and sold over $100 million of real estate, including seven apartment buildings, three condo conversion projects, three syndications, and 1,800 total units. In fact, he's flipped more than 300 houses, and his personal portfolio includes more than 200 doors. That's pretty good, I'd say. Tom, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you, Robert and Russ, for having me on the program. It's uh, good to be here today. You know, i got to ask, how does an engineer from Silicon Valley end up as a real estate investor? What, how, what led you to that? Well, probably the, the first thing that happened was that uh, I came here in, in Silicon Valley in 69, and I uh, rented my first house, and I noticed the landlord who lived next door owned uh, half the street. Ah. I thought that was kind of interesting. I'd never heard of that before. That was way before it became popular. And I... Uh, you know, about the uh, being an engineer, I came to Silicon Valley being very uh, kind of excited about my new career, and I went to my first party and said, I'm an engineer, and everybody ran. I thought, oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my wife um, says she's given up uh, hoping that I uh, <laughs> don't uh, always be an engineer, but once you are, you, you kind of always have that mindset. So you I know, but, but here's what's great about it is that, uh, and Russell and I had that, right? He's definitely more suited in, in your style, left-brained, an engineer, and I'm more of the right-brained and, and uh, leap-before-you-look kind of thing. And you need the balance, right? You need to be able to take action, but at the same time, you got to be strategic about it. And so my personal experience is a lot of guys like my dad, who have an engineering background, can be pretty successful at real estate. Yes, and I, uh, so I didn't think much uh, about what else you could do with it, and it was quite a few years before I uh, learned that, my goodness, uh, you know, skills you learn in one career or one, uh, one part of your life can be transferred very, uh, very well to another part of your life and career and, and help make it more successful. And I think I've always uh, felt that most people undervalue and underestimate their, uh, their generalist skills yeah. or whatever skills they, they bring from their last uh, career. So you're an engineer by trade, and you're working in the business doing that, and, and you decide you want to invest in real estate. In the 70s, I think you started investing. What got you interested in actually pursuing real estate as, a, as an investment vehicle? I just, uh, I've always been one who's, who's uh, learned best by watching, observing, and listening to others. You know, some people take courses, and some read books, and so forth, and I've uh, always liked uh, observing someone who's successful, and finding out why, and, and uh, talking to them about it. So I Ran across some uh, other folks like that uh, first landlord yep. who was next door, and I 
And like many people, when I left my first house, instead of selling it, I said, well, let's hang on to it. And then I uh, continued to buy a, a house a year for, uh, for a few years in the 70s. And, you know, if you look back, uh, buying in uh, the Bay Area, not a bad place, right? Real estate has gone up in value a lot over the years in in, uh, in this area. And, of course, um, we have a background in the in the same area, so know the market well. But uh, an interesting thing happened. You started to, to really develop the, this concept of maybe you're not living in the best place to invest. Now, you know, in the hindsight, well, California has always been a, a great market. What, what led you down to the path of thinking about looking outside of the area that you live in? Well, it took quite a while and years. You know, that first house that I bought in um, San Jose was $30,000, and it would rent for 300 bucks. Yeah. Hmm, interesting, 1%. So back then, uh, people think, oh, gosh, if I'd only started back in the 80s or 90s, you know, I would have been great. Well, even then, in that first that first house, it barely cash flowed. Yeah. You know? so, uh, so it was okay at the time. And uh, there were people that advised to me, uh, I boy, I wouldn't take that risk because things have gone up so much in the fifties and sixties. I can't imagine it would go up anymore. Yeah, but I uh, I took that risk and uh, certainly certainly glad that I did. Well, one one thing that happened was I confused uh, investing with uh, landlording. You know, I was of the mindset like most people were that you had to go repair the toilets yourself. And uh, and after a few years of doing uh, buying some and accumulating a small portfolio at the time, my wife says. Honey, I, I just don't like dealing with tenants. Let's not buy anymore. So, you know, that was one of my first first mistakes, but at least I got that initial nest egg. You know, this is huge, though, because so many people think that everything is on their shoulders to get it done. And, you you know, if, you're, if you've got a job or you've got a business and you're just investing in real estate part-time, you buy a house, you buy a condo, you buy a little building. And, and before you know it, if you are handling those things yourself, you reach maximum capacity with your life. you got a family, you got stuff going on. At some point, you've got to make a shift in that mentally or, or there's only so much real estate you can own. Unfortunately, uh, you know, as I started to develop my uh, high-tech career, uh, I got some, uh, again, some good advice and, and was taught to uh, how much more you could produce, accomplish if you delegated and got uh, people to surround you that were uh, smarter than you were in certain areas and could, uh, you could delegate off and leverage your own uh, talents and your ability. Yep. So I did quite well in my uh, high-tech career and managed uh, profit centers and manufacturing lines and sales and marketing and so forth. A lot of that success was because I was willing to, to delegate. So after 30 years had gone by and I'd done a couple of startup companies that didn't hit the home run, which everybody thinks, you know, right, all Silicon Valley companies do and right. folks don't realize that most don't. Most don't. But you learn a lot, <laughs> expensive education, and a number of pioneering companies here in, uh, in Silicon Valley. So after that, I was starting to get burned out. Um, Silicon Valley is a pretty high-paced place. It's very exciting. But one day I woke up in about 1998, and I looked at my um, real estate portfolio, and I looked at my 401K, and daggone, I've been making more money while I was sleeping than when I was, uh, when I was working. Yeah. And I said, well, I'm ready for a break, and uh, the real estate I've always liked, it's done well for me. So I think I'd like to take a look at uh, maybe switching that career. And that was a big leap of faith because, again, you know, I think still the mindset was if you're very specialized and, and focused on a certain area, if you go to something else, my gosh, you're going to take a big setback. Well, no, it turns out that your general skills, you learn from business and other things that you do are uh, quite transferable if you, if you indeed recognize that and apply it. So I said, all right, I want to do real estate and investing. But, gosh, this house that I bought for 30000 that was uh, 300 rent, 
now that house is uh, 600, 800,000 and maybe 2,000 rent. And my gosh, the rent relative to the purchase price was only a fourth, a fourth of wow. what it was. I had no, yeah, it just didn't occur to me to look at those kinds of things. It was just going along. It was doing all right because my loans were so low. I wasn't leveraged very well. Yep. So I thought, all right, let's go take a look at what's the best thing to invest in. So uh, I found everybody I could that was a very experienced investor. And I um, sat down and interviewed them, picked their brain, and I even flew some places. And, and uh, I s- assembled this list of not only their pointers, but the cities that they like. Well, one thing I learned was that one of the, almost all of them who were very successful were investing at that point in time mostly out of state. Ah. And gosh, I was, um, you know, was kind of nervous about that. I never thought about going out of state. And I saw the numbers about how much difference there was in rent relative to purchase price in other major cities compared to ours. I could not believe there was that much difference in the same country, but, uh, but it was true. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to explore that further. In fact, we're going to have you walk us through the places that you looked and where you eventually decided to uh, acquire most of your real estate. When we come back from the Real Estate Guys radio program, I'm your host, Robert Helms. Real estate investment advice right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at realestateguysradio.com. Live where you want to live, but invest where the numbers make sense. Even better, invest where you have a solid team to support you. We've been hearing great things about Memphis, Tennessee, and Terry Kerr from Mid-South Homebuyers. Since 2002, Terry and his team have been delivering turnkey rental property solutions ideal for out-of-area real estate investors. So if you're looking for affordable, trouble-free, turnkey investment property, call Terry. Use our resource hotline at 888-510-6838, extension 118. That's 888-510-6838, extension 118. Or find them in the resources area of our website at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, this is Mo Vici. I'm the president for the National Association of Realtors. Excited to be with the Real Estate Guys today. And welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program. Heard every weekend on this great radio station all the time at realestateguysradio.com. We're talking today about choosing the right market. Our guest is Tom Wilson. He's been investing for more than 30 years in real estate. Started in the neighborhood he lived in, in Northern California, and uh, got to a point where he thought, wait a minute, these numbers aren't working maybe like they did when I first got into real estate. And uh, let's look for another real estate market. So, Tom, interesting that you first recognized that, maybe, perhaps, what I like to say, that, you know, live where you want to live, with the no- but invest where the numbers make sense, that there might be other places where the numbers make sense. So what were some of the markets you were considering uh, back then? This is the, the late 90s. And, and uh, walk us through kind of your, your engineering process of, of picking a market or two. Sure. Well, the first thing I want to kind of share about that is that when I was struggling with whether or not I should go to another city far away, I, uh, I had one of my mentors and one of the folks I interviewed said, uh, well, Tom, let me ask you this. Have you ever bought stock? I said, well, sure. He said, well, uh, when you bought the stock, did you, uh, did you get something that, because it was in your backyard and you could go kick the sides and you could go interview management and so forth, or did you buy something that you thought was uh, going to give you the best return on investment? I said, got it, got it, okay, yeah. okay. So, <laughs> so that, that kind of helped me over that barrier. That's great. And, of course, it's more popular today to go out of state than it was in the late 90s. But still, I find there are a lot of people still, you know, a little concerned about that. Well, shoot, the irony of it is that, you know, in the city I wound up choosing, I can get to on a plane about as fast as I used to be able to get to some of my properties that I owned in uh, in California. 
Well, there's a paradigm breaker there, right? Because you, you meet people that go, well, you know, as long as I can get there in a day and back. Well, isn't that anywhere in the United States on a plane? In a day and back, I can get there? Yeah. There's even some other countries you can get to in a, in a day and back. So interesting paradigm. I think one of the first things I did to apply my uh, kind of technical uh, learning was that it's very popular in the uh, scientific and engineering world to do a uh, sensitivity analysis. So you look at all the variables that are independent, and you move them the same amount each one at a time and see how it affects your desired result. Yep. In this case, uh, I wanted to replace my vice president's salary. And so I wanted to get the maximum cash on cash return and, and internal rate of return. And so I looked through the literature, and to my surprise, no one had done that. So, uh, so I did the, did the little um, experiment myself and produced the graph. And I was shocked to find it how dominant the rent to purchase price ratio rent ratio was relative to other variables that people often worry about, such as property management fee. Oh my gosh, the people I find who beat on unmercifully their property manager to get it from 10% to 9% right. and think they've made a big score. And if they look at the sensitivity analysis and see how trivial that is in contributing to the bottom line right. relative to things like the rent ratio or the interest rate, you know, it's not something to even be concerned about. So once I saw that, then I said, aha, I've got myself a, a initial yardstick, a, a leading indicator of uh, where, where to look to, to invest. So the kinds of cities that uh, were being recommended to me at that time are uh, many of the ones that are, at least if they're not popular today, they certainly were during, during the bubble. And, uh, you know, they would be uh, Atlanta and Portland and Dallas and Houston and Denver and Las Vegas and Florida and places like that. Yep. I think uh, when I look back my file uh, uh, some time back, I found uh, maybe about 35 cities that I, uh, that I looked at and at least got data from. I didn't fly to all of them, but quite a few I did. Yep. Interviewed people from the area and so forth. So what I found was that um, the highest rent per invested dollar for a major economic center was Dallas-Fort Worth. Today, people say, oh, Tom, I guess you must be from Dallas, or you, uh, you know, are you have family there or something. Nope. If you'd asked me back then or, you know, what I thought the chances were that I'd have 1,800 transactions in, a, in that city, I'd say, you're, you're out of your mind. It never, never happened. But that part worked, and certainly, you know, folks like Robert Kiyosaki uh, talk about one of the most valuable things to do is always get assets that produce income. Yep. I want to do that. But, you know, there's another part of me that said, well, that's nice, but I want to make sure it's something that's going to be of value in the future as well and is, and is least likely to have rents and values that go down. Yep. So then that then it becomes the, uh, the other element of uh, the, the next step beyond uh, immediate cash flow to analyze. And uh, certainly I looked at things like uh, what's the current – employment like what's the probability of growth what's the historic growth because that drives of course population population growth and if as long as an area is not overbuilding then that supply demand gives you uh, upward pressure in the future and of course the more of those items you put together they all have some uh, interaction to one another and you got to be uh, got to be careful about that but it takes a fair amount of data to compare all of those and uh, indeed, that's, uh, that's another element that made me uh, decide that fundamentally it was a very, uh, very strong area to be in. 
Well, of course, in hindsight, if you look at, I mean, you've got started in Dallas in 1998, and let's face it, Texas has been one of the strongest job states for a lot of years, for, for many years, producing more new jobs than all the other states combined. So in hindsight, nice job. You know, I, I at the time, I felt it was, on a relative basis, the um, to other cities, it was the best. But after our, our crash, and, you know, some places may be starting to turn and others certainly not hit bottom yet, it's uh, on a relative basis, I think um, the area is even stronger today than it was back then. So the kinds of things that I looked at that I, that I really liked once I learned about it was that it's, um, you know, the business capital of the South has uh, second highest revenue from Fortune 500 companies of uh, any metro in the United States other than New York City. Yep. It's very business-friendly. It's, um, it's airport, it's third busiest in the world, it's in the Sun Belt, it's um, very affordable housing, Even uh, and even with that, you still have a higher than average uh, income, household income. Yep. And uh, they're just, uh, the area, ironically, uh, for many people, it's about the same population as the San Francisco Bay Area, and the same size. It's a very comfortable cosmopolitan city from a business standpoint. You've got, uh, it's one of the leaders in corporate headquarters relocating and expanding there uh, it's just just a business friendly strong city and right now it's one of the top three cities in the country for uh, employment growth and uh, as you said in the past uh, couple of decades they've added more jobs than than california has and jobs is certainly um, where it's all about and inward migration now here's what's really interesting to me so to this day you still live in silicon valley and that's where you call your, your home, but your real estate and investment, your entire portfolio is in Dallas, Texas. Right. When I started uh, investing down there, I certainly was um, going to be cautious, and I kept a certain percentage of my assets here in California. Sure. Fortunately, because I watched the market carefully, and I have economists and other mentors that I respect, they kind of alerted me, and it made sense to me that we were um, certainly getting to a peak there in the middle part of the last decade. So as we approached 2005, 06, I started selling off the rest of my California assets. Yeah. You know, I hated to do it. There was a sentimental, emotional attachment. So even, even engineers at times can have some emotion. <laughs> wow, I've learned something today. <laughs> Excellent. So, um, so that first property I told you about that I bought for 30K uh, and rented for uh, 300. Yeah. And 06, uh, that was hard to let go of that. But, uh, but I did. And, uh, you know, at the time... It was uh, still just about at its uh, peak of about uh, six seven hundred. I think I sold it for six sixty, and it was wow. running for two thousand. But my gosh, for that six hundred thousand dollars, I could buy six newer, nicer brick homes in Dallas that brought in six and a half thousand dollars a month instead of two thousand a month. You know, I I believe in um, you apply the technology, the uh, analytical uh, approach to to comparing things. But in the end, you still need to step back and say, uh, you know, what, what makes sense? And it doesn't take, uh, you know, a lot of uh, rocket science to, to figure out that if you can get three to four times the rent per invested dollar uh, in one region than another, and the quality of the product and the quality of the neighborhood is just as good or, or better. So yeah. you're comparing apples with apples or even a better apple. That kind of thing makes sense. You still need to step back from it all and, and uh, apply the, the basics. 
you know, Russ says to do the math, and the math will tell you what to do, and that's a great example of that. You mentioned Robert Kiyosaki. Remember, years ago, we were uh, at a big event that uh, that he did, and one of the breakout sessions there, uh, there were a bunch of guys from Texas, and I thought, well, let's go hear about Texas, and, and about halfway through, they introduced you, and they go, well, here's Tom, and he's a local guy here who invests in Texas, and that was, I think, the first time I kind of heard part of your story, and you were talking about these very same things, and this was many years back, and of course, then, uh, over the years, we've run into each other from places to, in different times. You've been to a lot of the events that we've done and so forth, and and, and still steadfast in, in Dallas, so when we come back, I want to find out what you think about Dallas today, and obviously, you're still investing there, so maybe some of the, the contrast, and then, if we can, let's get into the team part, because for us, again, philosophy, what you want to have your real estate do for you, which you were clear on, market, which now we've learned you've strategically chosen a market and why, important to pick the right team. And I know you've probably got 10 years plus of experience of team building in Dallas, so we'll uh, we'll talk about that. Tom Wilson is our guest. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Hello, this is Robert Kiyosaki. I'm the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And if you're serious about learning how to invest in real estate, listen to the Real Estate Guys. They really know what they're talking about. Is investors survey the country for markets and properties that will perform well for them over the next five to 10 years, one market in particular stands out. That's Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta was the second fastest growing MSA throughout the last decade. It's home to the world's busiest airport and has one of the highest concentrations of Fortune 500 companies in the country. Atlanta is expected to add 100,000 new people every year for the next 10 years. And just next year alone, Atlanta is predicted to add over 50,000 new jobs. Now, what if I told you you could buy fully renovated, leased, and cash-flowing investment properties in this market for half a replacement cost? That's right, three- and four-bedroom homes in good suburban neighborhoods that can be purchased completely renovated for seventy dollars to $90,000. At Georgia Residential Partners, this is exactly what we do. We've been helping investors all over the country make solid real estate purchases in Atlanta for almost seven years. Call us today at 770-924-5450 or check us out online at gainvesting.com. If you're like me and thousands of others, you know that the Real Estate Guys radio show is a great source for quality content about investing in real estate. But did you know that they also have a book? I just finished reading their book, Equity Happens, and I was blown away by how much I learned. If you're ready to create sustainable wealth through real estate, you need to get Equity Happens. You'll learn, just as I did, about what it takes to prosper in the real estate industry. So don't wait. Make equity happen to you. Order your copy today at equityhappens.com. Hi, this is Darren Hardy, publisher of Success Magazine, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. And welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program, the number one downloaded podcast on real estate. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Tom Wilson is our guest today, and we're learning more about his story and the market he picked and why. Before we get back to that, it's time to play Real Estate Trivia, your chance to win a prize by knowing the answer to today's Real Estate Trivia question, which, as you know, has something to do with real estate. When you hear the question and think you know the answer or want to take a guess, here's what you do. Send us an email to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Include your name and your physical mailing address so that if you're the winner, we can send you an autographed copy of Equity Happens, Building Lifelong Wealth with Real Estate, our book on real estate investing. All you have to do is submit your guess, and then voila, if you're the winner, you'll notify you. The first person who gets the right answer is the winner of the book, and then we do another cool thing. We take all the entries that were correct and have a drawing for a second book. Since so many people listen on the podcast, you still have a chance to win as long as you get your entry in before next week's show. Last week on The Real Estate Guys, we asked this. 
Hawaii was the 50th United States. Alaska was the 49th United States. Which state was 48th? Lots of fun guesses for this. The answer, Arizona, was the 48th United States on February 14th, 1912. Here's our real estate trivia question for this week. And it's important because this is the month that matters. I want to know what town claims to be the cow chip throwing capital of the world. Yep, the cow chip throwing capital of the world. And the reason it's important is that the world championship cow chip throw is held in April. So there you go. If you know or want to take a guess, quickly fire off an email to trivia at realestateguysradio.com and include your name and mailing address so that if you're the winner, we can send you Equity Happens, Building Lifelong Wealth with Real Estate, our book on real estate investing. That is today's real estate trivia question. I guess I'm not allowed to answer. Yeah. I know I in, know the answer because I actually grew up near there. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> okay. Tape on my mouth. All right. Yes, uh, ineligible this week, Tom, but uh, good <laughs> stuff. Tom Wilson's our, our guest. He's been investing in real estate for years and years and years. Started in the Bay Area where he lives, but uh, branched out and uh, did this amazing uh, analytical search on how to find a marketplace and, and picked Dallas, Texas. And, you know, you look back and uh, certainly can't fault you for the market. Not only did it not have the high run-up, but the cash flows were pretty stable. Hasn't lost much value. And, and for a lot of years, a very stable market. And uh, we're, we're seeing some growth there now. So where we sit today, Tom, from a guy who's been investing in Dallas for 14 years, is there still opportunity? Is it too late? What, what do you see in Dallas today? Well, I've always um, I've always told people when they ask me that I'm certainly not married to it. Right. And if I see an area that's better, uh, my analytical self will say, let's, uh, it was a nice run. Let's, uh, let's go or at least scale somewhere else. As you've already done at least once, right? Mm -hmm. So the I watch it, you know, because I've done seven multifams and I've helped others with, with that and syndications and so forth, I'm on the distribution list of a lot of market research firms that normally have to pay a lot of money for or commercial lenders or brokers that send those kinds of things to me. And, of course, with their Internet-savvy era here, there's you know a lot of information that uh, many folks can get, but it's a little harder in the commercial world. And, and in that world, you tend to get a little bit more database of data than you do in the single family home world. Yep. So I'm watching other cities all the time. I'm not just blinded by, you know, sitting there, this is where I am, so I'm going to be comfortable. I'm watching it continuously to see how it stacks up. And if there's a, some other place to, to go to, I'm, so I'm poised and ready to go and know why. So I, uh, I do that. And on a relative basis, I think it's um, just as strong, if not stronger today than it was when I chose it back in, uh, back in 98. Uh, first of all, uh, it's still the highest rent per invested dollar in the country other than Detroit. And Detroit is higher, and I think its reason for being higher is because prices are, are, are so low. So low, right. And you don't have to do a lot of analyzing to kind of understand that that's not high probability of, of growth in the near future. In fact, the reason San Jose climbed in number 10 position in largest city is uh, a year and a half ago was not because it grew that much because Detroit fell below it and right. they, they, and they uh, swapped spots. So if you go look at uh, history and to what degree you think history may predict future, which I think today we think maybe it's not quite as much as it was at one time because we have so many new variables in a new world that we're in. But I think it's still pretty important to look at. So if you want stability in a place, you look at the Case-Shiller 20 cities. Yep. And it shows you that out of those 20 cities, the only city that dropped by one digit, and indeed the lowest out of all the 20, is Dallas-Fort Worth area. Yep. 
and people say, well, I see the cash flow part, but I, I hate to go to Texas where there's been no appreciation. Well, guess what? There hasn't been no appreciation. It's been about 5%, which doesn't excite people in California. <laughs> but, you know, it's a return on your down payment that counts, not how much the product appreciates. So if you put down 20 25% and you're cash flowing and it only goes up by 5%, and who knows, maybe it's five years, three years, something before it does that again. But uh, leveraging by four or five times and getting 20 25% return on your down payment in addition to cash flow in what I consider to be the lowest risk metro in the United States because it certainly dropped the lease, I think that's pretty good. It uh, certainly, certainly works for me. It's getting back to this, again, matching your personal investment philosophy. So many people today are looking for that safety and security, and they're also looking for cash flow. So you got to have those cash flow numbers and not necessarily saying, well, it's going to go up and triple in value. We've seen the problems when that happens. Jay, you hold on to a nice portfolio over time. I'm sure some of the houses you bought in 1998 and 1999 and, and 2000 in Dallas are worth more today. So the property does appreciate there, but that wasn't the purpose for buying the property. Instead, as you mentioned, you're trying to recreate your salary and, and doing that through cash flow on properties. So you got to make sure that, that your your strategy and your philosophy matches the market, which yours clearly has. So so we see Dallas from that point of view. Let's let's switch gears a little bit and talk about the, the fear a lot of people have, Tom, when they're investing several states over from where they live, which is who's going to watch out for the property. Obviously, you got to put a, put a team together. Uh, walk us through what that was like, knowing nothing about Dallas and then having to put together a team that could help you in, in, in continuous to this day to do that. Well, as I mentioned before, I've always, I learned fortunately at an early age that uh, delegating out and surrounding yourself with people who are smarter than you are or to leverage yourself is uh, certainly a good thing to do. So I felt it was uh, no different going into a new career such as uh, real estate investing. So fortunately, out of uh, the various mentors and, and successful real estate investors that I talked to back in my earlier days and of uh, going into 100% uh, real estate investing, they uh, some of those had some team members, uh, of course, in the cities that they were in and said, well, Tom, if you decide to go into the city, I'll be glad to introduce you. So, uh, you know, I think uh, getting some initial people from someone who can refer you directly whom have had success by using those people uh, and that you have a relationship with and are calibrated on and feel comfortable with is a good place to uh, start. So indeed, that's what happened. I found someone who had had success in DFW once I chose that city, and they turned me on to their team. Uh, I interviewed them. I didn't select all of them. Some I decided didn't fit my needs exactly, but yep. many of them were. And today... We have many of those, most of those members have been replaced by ones I found that I thought were better, a better match for me. But at least that got me started in a, in a safe approach. Now, I tell folks that if I, uh, you know, if I go in, into another city someday, uh, even though I have, uh, fortunately, a, a lot of experience, by the way, I, I pride myself in being uh, very happy that there's a day that goes by that I don't learn something new. So I think the more you, the more you learn, the more humble you get, and the more things you realize you can, you can learn to um, be even more successful. But it's um, if I were going to another city, I would not even consider trying to choose where to invest in that city or what kinds of products without finding experts and very experienced people in the same kinds of things that I'm investing in in that exact city. I think it would be ludicrous to do so. Why not ride on the coattails of why not enhance your potential for success by utilizing others who are experts in that. Other people have said, Tom, 
why don't you get your real estate license so that you can, uh, you know, save all these commissions? He said, no, 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 you don't understand. The people that I utilize who are finding properties and helping my clients and so forth, they are experts in their field. Uh, they put in a lot of time. For example, let me tell you how much time. Uh, our average property that we get for clients uh, of ours, we are so selective that the average number of, of properties that are bid on for every one they win is 40. That's I, a lot of work. That's a lot of work. And I want to compensate people on my team that do a good job for me by giving them the money and, and revenue compensation that they, uh, that they deserve. So certainly, I, um, as you start with a team, as time goes on, you network. I, I was concerned that when I started in this business, um, late 90s, uh, that I had such a large black book of, um, of folks that I networked with over the years in high tech. And I thought, my gosh, it'll take me forever to get that level of associations again in a new career. Well, I looked within six months, I had like 200 people who were, who were I considered pretty experts and that I, I knew on a first name basis within that new career that I was in. So uh, you certainly can build up a network. But again, remember, I'm, um, I went into it full time. And uh, most people, I think, should start investing when they still have a day job. Uh, they have that uh, other security to uh, fall back on, or maybe they're just plain enjoying that career like I did for 30 years. That's something that you want to delegate out. You don't want to try to put in the level of time and effort to try to do it all yourself, because I think that's a, that's a formula for, for a failure. All right. Well, this has been great stuff, Tom. Now, uh, before uh, before we let you out of here, uh, you've had a, a career of uh, investing in real estate for a lot of years uh, in Dallas. But uh, you know, give us some of the lessons you've learned, and, and if you could go back to, to the 1990s when you started to invest in in uh, the Dallas area, any changes you might make? What would you do differently if you could? Well, I think I would have uh, probably not gotten as much on my plate at one time. There was one year when I had uh, everything I had touched before that would turn to gold, so I thought I was invincible again. <laughs> <laughs> I was back in my thought I was back in my twenties, and I uh, oh I think I bought four multifams that one year. Wow! There's no way you can do sufficient due diligence, even with a good expert team, uh, you know. And that so uh, so I'd say don't get too much on your plate at one time. I, I tell people frequently, don't be too greedy. Take it a step at a time. Have a methodical approach and plan. And don't try to certainly make up for recent past losses in a hurry. Um, just uh, have a, put a plan in place and methodically work through that plan. Don't get uh, going too fast. Talked about using your generally skills. I, uh, I do think that's pretty important. Even in picking, if you decide, yes, it's smart for me not to try to learn what someone else has learned to get started. I'm going to use another team. But you still have to select and interview that team. And, and so you use those skills in, in doing that. Yep. And um, all these uh, details are important and analyzing important, but you certainly want to step back from it and look at some of the, some of the basics. I love um, an interview that was held uh, with Conrad Hilton a number of years ago and was asked what single thing that he felt was the most important that he'd learned in building the world's first international hotel empire. And he thought for a second, he said, um, to keep the shower curtain inside the tub. And, uh, you know, things like, all right, you've analyzed it. You like the product. You like the neighborhood. You like the city. Would I be comfortable with my daughter living there? Yeah. Some basics like that that I think, uh, you know, keep you grounded. Again, you have that balance of uh, analytical approach, getting the right team. Does it make sense? 
and that can uh, that can keep you out of a lot of trouble. All right, good stuff. Well, we sure appreciate your time today and uh, opening up and sharing some of your story. It's uh, great to watch your continued success, and uh, thanks for being with us. Thank you. It's great being here. All right, there's Tom Wilson. Hey, more from the Real Estate Guys when we come back. We've also asked Tom to put the, down some of the ideas and uh, the techniques he's used to analyze a market. We'll tell you how to get you on that information when we come back. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys Radio Network. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Live nationwide, you're listening to the Real Estate Guys. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com. Hey, Russ, wake up. We've got a show to do. Huh? Oh, sorry. I was just having the most awesome dream. I found low-cost rental properties that cash flow in a strong job market with prices that didn't fall through the floor during this great recession. Wow, that is awesome. But, you know, you don't have to dream to find a market like that. We're going on a field trip there in just a few weeks. Really? Where are we going? To Dallas, Texas. It's a huge market with great infrastructure and lots of people. Prices are low and rents are strong. And with today's low interest rates, properties cash flow great. Plus, Texas is the number one rated state for doing business. That's amazing. There'll be tours of different submarkets and property types and meetings with local experts, including developers, agents, and property managers. That sounds great. Well, hurry up and register because space on field trips is always limited. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events or call 888-GUYS-RADIO for more information. That's realestateguysradio.com or 888-GUYS-RADIO. Hello, I'm Herman Cain, and you are listening to the Dynamic Real Estate Guys. And welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. My goodness, great stuff from Tom Wilson. It was great. Yeah, you know, as I always say when we do these interviews, I get to be the fly on the wall, which is one of my favorite things, and sit here and take all these uh, copious notes that I take. But, you know, to me, the greatest thing that I love about working with you, Robert, is just the opportunity to sit down and interview people. Tom talked about how when he first started out, what he did is he went and looked for the most successful real estate investors he could find, and he interviewed them. When I started my mortgage company way back when, that's exactly what I did. I went out and I contacted four or five people that were successful both on the mortgage side and on the real estate side, and I interviewed them. And I thought that was one of the big takeaways about learning through observation, about being around people and putting yourself in an environment. And that's one of the things I'm most proud about what we do here at The Real Estate Guys is to make these types of interviews available to the audience. You know, it's great that you can watch. Tom's really a case study in a person who has an engineering background. A lot of people, listeners are going to relate to this, right? And so you approach everything from that point of view. A lot of folks who have that mindset tend to suffer from paralysis of analysis. Oh, absolutely. They're always looking and, and they're never doing anything. What, what, what's great about Tom's story is he actually took action with the information that he was able to put together. Well, in the time that I've had a chance to spend with Tom, one of the things I've observed in him is he has a great deal of confidence not arrogance, but confidence. And so he goes through a process that he believes in and he does his homework, as you can tell, a very diligent, studious, you know, methodical kind of guy. And he comes to a conclusion and he looks at the conclusion and he trusts his work and he trusts his judgment to the point where he's willing to act on what he's gone through. And to me, that's really what it comes down to. You know, you asked him uh, there at the end, you know, the one thing, if, if you could go back, what's the one thing you would change? And I asked myself that question when you asked that question. I thought, what would I change about me? And the one thing I would change about me is I think unlike Tom, when I was younger, I did not have that level of confidence. I look back at the things I thought and the things I saw and the way things turned out, and I was right quite a bit. 
but I didn't have the confidence to act on it. And I do agree with you. I think one of the, the dangerous things about being that analytical type of person, which is definitely in my personality, is that you got to combine that then because you can see all the reasons not to do something and you can talk yourself because there's risk in anything, right? The thing that I really appreciate about Tom is that he, he goes through the process. And, and when he talked about his team, it was not like, hey, I didn't wait till I had the perfect team. I, I, I put a team on the field, you know, borrow a football metaphor here. I, I called some plays. I watched the team play. I coached up the people that were coachable, and I switched out those who weren't, and I've continued to upgrade my team, and now I've got a championship, a perennial championship performing group that I feel very confident going up against anybody. And I thought that was very powerful. You know, the thing about your team is they're the ones that have to carry out the execution of your strategy, if you will, when you're a long-distance investor. Now, now Tom is pretty hands-on in a lot, of, a lot of ways, but in order to live several states away from where your investment portfolio is, you've got to have a team that, that you can not only trust – their competence, but uh, also their ethics and their morals and all that. And, and, and it's, it's just that he talked about the match, right? You've got to have a, a match of, of understanding, of personality, being able to work together, and it's not always a match. And, and I think as we look around at the different markets we invest in, the team, to me, can be more important than the marketplace. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The good news is a great marketplace, you can build a great team. Yeah. But uh, sometimes you find yourself in a market that maybe isn't, uh, you know, perfect, not that there is a perfect market, but you get a team that is just so ridiculously good that you feel very confident going into that market uh, from a distance and knowing that you're going to be in very, very good hands. And again, it comes back to that that concept of having confidence. That was really what I came away with. You know, the idea that it, I've picked a team and I'm confident in my judgment and I'm willing to go ahead and work with that team and, and put them on the field and, and call my plays. The other thing is I know things are going to go sideways. That's a fact of life. And so I'm willing to accept that level of risk because I'm confident that I will find a way to work through it. I've been reading uh, Trump and Kiyosaki's book, The Midas Touch, and that's one of the things they talk about. It's such a refreshing book. It's this concept of being able to go into a situation knowing that stuff is going to go sideways, but believing in yourself, believing in your team, believing in your abilities, and believing that if you just work hard and do the right thing, more often than not, it's going to go your way, and that's, that's an acceptable level of risk if you want to be an entrepreneur in real estate or anything else. Well, one of the things we asked Tom to do, he, he does so much research and he has so much great presentation information is to put together kind of what he what he looked at. What are those things that he talked about analyzing in the marketplace? Because that's super information. And whether you're interested in Dallas or any other market, what are the things he looked for? What were those metrics? And so he's put together a, a report that uh, he's put a lot of time and, and effort into called From High Tech to the Heart of Texas, Why I Chose Dallas Real Estate to Make My Fortune. And if you'd like to get a free copy of that report, just send us an email to fortune at real estate guysradio.com fortune at realestateguysradio.com and we'll get you a, co a copy of it especially if you're a left brain person a lot of it's going to appeal to you but but keep in mind this is a guy that didn't just analyze he actually did the thing right and you know we asked him to write this report and it, one of my projects has been to build up this special report library because I'm a guy that listens to these shows and takes copious notes and you know a couple times we've been on some conference calls I remember and the guys were like hey you know would you would you you know, send your notes out. And I thought, well, how much better would it be to actually have the guests write 
a report and what a value add that would be. And so we've been really working on building up that library and Tom graciously accepted the challenge to write this report. It's great. And I think you're going to really enjoy getting it. So just send an email to fortune at realestateguysradio.com and we'll get that right out to you. We've also convinced Tom to be part of our upcoming Dallas field trip. He knows a ton about the market, obviously, and uh, you're going to get a chance to not only meet Tom, but to see the market through his eyes. He'll show you what he's been doing in the marketplace. We'll get a great chance to see uh, meet some of his team members and so forth and so uh, this is our eighth or ninth field trip to Dallas and then the first time Tom's going to be joining us but uh, we'd love to have you there it happens May 3rd 4th and 5th we're going to the heart of Dallas Texas uh, as the real estate guys and it's always a ton of fun we spend a, a couple of days really learning a marketplace and, and as I always say on Friday night by the time Sunday rolls around you're going to know more about the Dallas real estate market than 95 percent of the people who live in Dallas and a great deal of that's going to be because of the information you're going to get uh, from Tom a guy who's been investing there for more than 14 years and has built a team. So come with us. You can find out all the information on our website at realestateguysradio.com. Just click on events. You'll see Dallas uh, Field Trip. And it's not too late. Right around the corner, the amazing event in San Jose, California. Anthony Robbins, Donald Trump, Robert Kiyosaki together. We'd love to see you there. We're going to be there. Check it out on our website at realestateguysradio.com. Hey, big thanks to Tom Wilson for uh, taking uh, time out of his busy schedule and uh, his travel schedule to not only be on the show, but the tremendous effort it was to put together that report. He's certainly appreciated in that regard. Thanks to Richard for his job engineering us today. To all of the folks in our resource center for making the show possible. Next week on The Real Estate Guys, you're going to hear the show that we recorded on the 10th annual Investor Summit at Sea. A lot of fun with a lot of great faculty members. That's next week on The Real Estate Guys. Until then, go out and make some equity happen. This episode of The Real Estate Guys radio show is brought to you by Paradigm Life. Powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at beyourbank.com. Mid-South Home Buyers, low-cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Texas Investor Homes, discover high-yield, low-risk, double-digit cash on cash returns through interim construction funding. Hassle-free cash flow investing, creating cash flow opportunities for real estate investors with brand new single-family homes in Dallas, Texas. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies for real estate investors from attorney and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton. Find these and other great companies under the resources tab at realestateguysradio.com. To learn how you can expose your product or service to the Real Estate Guys audience, call 888-489-7723, extension 4. That's 888-489-7723, extension 4. Or use the feedback page at realestateguysradio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on the Real Estate Guys radio show.